great to be back here with all of you this Sunday morning as we come to, to worship our awesome God and celebrate life change through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, man, if um, Sundays are my fun days. I say that often, Sundays are my fun days, and it's fun because I have an opportunity to come and hang with all of you that are here today, uh, which is absolutely awesome. If you're new with us, welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church, man. You're just part of an amazing worship service uh, as we continue to worship God, but you part of that worship going on, praising God. He is the King and King and the Lord of Lords for sure. Uh, we love the fact that you are here today. My name is Rich. I have the privilege to be one of the pastors here at Vertical Church. Um, I just want to share with you that those are new, that you are surrounded by some amazing people. Um, you're surrounded by some amazing people, yeah. Um, if, I would encourage you before you leave today to just take a minute and, and introduce and, and connect with a couple of them, and you'll see firsthand why I'm saying that from the stage. Um, as we get into this morning, before we jump into this morning's conversation, um, I want to kind of point to, I always try to give a glimpse of where we're going next. And next week we kick off our next series called So Much More. So Much More. You know, in Jesus, we have been given a life of so much more. So much more that many of us are actually living. And if we're being honest with God and with each other, um, for too long, too many of God's children have unknowingly missed out in the freedom and the fullness of life that Jesus brings into us. So this series we're kicking off next Sunday, we're going to be honest with ourselves. We're going to be honest with God and dig into our lives and identify the, the things that are in our lives that stop us from receiving God's best for our lives. You know, so we had looked at, we have situations in our past, um, personal disbeliefs, hurtful people, destructive thought patterns that we've been in, past experiences that have stepped us and impressed us and pushed us down, that keeps on stepping in the way of our future, what God has for us, what Jesus promises all of us who give our life to him, the best life possible. So that's a series we're going to next week. I mean, why wouldn't we want Jesus best, right? Are you with me with that? All right, awesome. So what I want you to do, there's invite cards on your seats. See, like a third of you said yes. So the third of you, you were responsible for grabbing those invite cards and, and handing them out. No, take those invite cards and invite someone who you think, okay, I want you to hear this series because I think it's going to impact your life. Not just for today, not for next week, not for the next five weeks, but for the rest of your life. How, in Jesus Christ, you have a life of so much more, and I want you to have that life as I walk through it together. So that's where we're going next week. But this morning, we bring close to a, a series, a series titled Sent. And I don't know about you, but this series has done two things in my life. And the first, it has challenged me to live my life with more intentionality. As I've prayed, as I studied, as I write, as I prepare for Sunday mornings, it has challenged me to live my life with more intentionality that, that I see every opportunity that God gives me to share his son, the message of hope that comes through his son, Jesus Christ. Every opportunity, keep my eyes open, look for unexpected adventures. Help me be more intentional with my time, God. That's one of the things that's been teaching me. The other thing is, it's very clear that he clarified my mission. My personal mission as his child, as someone who have given my life to him, he's the Lord of my life, says this is what I've called you to do. And he's also in that clarification, he's brought uh, even deeper clarity of the mission of the church. Well, our, church our, our mission as our church is very, very simple, is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. That is our mission. Why? Because that's the mission that Jesus gave his church. 
Go, go make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And when we live out that mission personally, corporately, lives are being changed. And we can't deviate from it because once we do, we cease to become the church. We step in, and when we step in with our own mission, our own agenda, our own ideas, we start making the church in, not in Jesus' image, we start making the church in our image. And that wasn't what Jesus decided, wanted us to do. He wants us to reach people for him, to make an opportunity for them to come to him, surrender life to him, become more like him and less like the world. We have been sent. We have been instructed by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to step outside these walls and share Jesus. To tell those who are far from him about the kingdom of God and the purpose of peace they'll find in Jesus Christ. And just to be clear, those are not Rich's words. Those are Jesus' words. And for one last time, look at John chapter 17, verse 18 on the screen. As Jesus talking to disciples, is talking to God about his disciples. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. We have been sent. We've been sent by God to live a, pur a purposeful mission, his mission. But as Jesus is having his prayer with the Father, he doesn't stop there. He actually continues and he sets a bigger stage for us as a church to understand what this looks like and how this is accomplished. Look at verse 20. He goes, this is Jesus talking. My prayer is not for them alone. Not for his disciples that is right there with him. My prayer is also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you, May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Let's just stop right there. I love this conversation because Jesus is praying for his church. If you're in this room and said yes to Jesus, you made him the Lord of your life, Jesus is praying for you 2,000 years ago. And one of the areas that Jesus prays that shows that the world that we have been sent by him to reach people for him is unity. That we may be one as they are one. Unity in the church. Now, as we dig in and you read through the New Testament and you see several different passages that talk about this, conversations about Jesus being, his church being unified. One of those is Ephesians 4, verse 3. It says, make every effort to keep unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. That was written by Paul, a follower of Jesus. And later on, he's also writing to another church in 1 Corinthians, in verse 10 of chapter 1. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, there may, there may no divisions among you, that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Over and over again, we can continue to read through the New Testament and read passages about Jesus calling his church to be unified in its mission, what they're called to do. And it's for very good reason for what Jesus says at the end of verse 23 in John 17. He says, then the world will know that you have sent me and then have loved them even as you have loved me. When the church is unified in its purpose and mission, it bears witness that there's a loving God and a selfless son. Our unity bears proof of the love of Jesus. Our unity bears proof of the mission. 
Our unity bears proof of the purpose of the church and that, and that purpose is far greater than ourselves. And so what we're gonna do as we walk through this conversation this morning, what we're gonna see is that when the church is unified, the church is multiplied. When the church is unified, the church is multiplied. When we are all working together for the same goal, same mission, same direction, the church is multiplied. More people come to Christ, more lives are changed. The kingdom is changed by God using us. Are you with me? All right, awesome. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, we're starting at verse 1 this morning. Your Bibles, your Bible apps, whatever you have with you today that you read God's Word on. Acts chapter 6, starting at verse 1. If you do not have anything with you today, the verses will be on the screen. Um, as we turn into chapter 6, I'm kind of remind us where we finished off last week. The apostles were just beautifully flogged uh, for proclaiming the name of Jesus. And they walked away from their beating, rejoicing that they, they, stood, uh, they stood through their suffering for Jesus Christ. But it didn't stop them. They continued to live out loud for Jesus. In fact, at the end of chapter 5, at verse 42, is on the screen. You can see that it says, day after day, in the temple courts, and from house to house, they never stopped preaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. So again, they just walked through this hardship, and they continued to proclaim, and people's lives are being changed. Actually, if we walk into verse 6, chapter 6, verse 1, I'll slow down a little bit here, sorry. Get a little excited. You'll see, it says, in those days when the number of disciples were increasing. So as this early church was living a sent life, regardless of what was happening around them, regardless of what was happening to them, the church grew. More and more people surrendered life to Jesus. And what God has been doing through them continues to happen in greater capacity. And that is the same for this church. That is the same for you and I. And you have been praying for people. Through this series, you've been investing in people. You've been inviting people. And God continues to grow his church through you. That is us being sent and actually living missionally. But sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes churches lose their focus. Sometimes churches lose their mission. And sometimes the focus becomes more who's in the mirror before us than the mission that's truly in front of us. And when that happens, when the focus turns inside and on self, disunity steps on the scene and causes havoc in Jesus' church. And that's because disunity is simply the enemy of progress. Disunity is the enemy of progress. Let me just show you what I mean. Look at, uh, starting at verse one again in chapter six. It says, in those days, when a number of disciples were increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because the widows were being overlooked and the daily distribu distribution of food. Stop right there. See, so there's a growing tension that was taking place between the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem and Christians who were outside the Jewish race. It was causing division and tension amongst God's people. Separation in that one heart and mind that we read in the beginning in chapter 2, that they're all one heart and mind. These were Greek-speaking Jews. Were they being neglected? Well, we don't know. We, all we do know is that they, they thought that they were. And if they were being neglected, was it intentional neglect? Was like, oh, we don't want anything to do with them. 
Or was it something with a communication barrier because of language, language differences? We still don't know. And I don't, I'm not sure if it matters because too often people are much more obsessed with assigning blame than fixing the problem. We want to be right versus reconciliation. And disunity becomes the enemy of progress when that's the case. Even Jesus said, even Jesus said that the house divided cannot stand. Now he was talking about hell and, and the demons and all that. But he said, okay, if they're divided, it's just not going to stand. Because when we're divided, when we're going opposite directions, we can't stand. I'm going to do you a favor. When you leave today, I want you to go out, outside these doors. Do it outside the doors. Don't do it in here. I want you to look at your legs and I want you to start going another direction. One foot going one direction, one foot going the other direction. Then let me know how it turns out. Well, I think we'll all know because we'll all be sitting on the ground out there. It doesn't work. When you're divided and going separate directions, we cannot stand. We simply can't move forward. We stay still. It's an enemy of progress when we're divided. See, when we focus on the I in unity, if you show that picture, we so focus on the I in unity. When we put ourselves in the middle, make it all about what we want, progress becomes non-existent because the I actually breeds disunity. It breeds disunity. Let me just say it this way. The problem of I in unity is that it causes disunity in the very vehicle that Jesus Christ created to bring people together. That's the purpose, right? Jesus was bringing people together with him and us together as his church. And when I steps on the scene, it gets in the way of the progress of what God wants to do in his church. Let's look at it a little bit differently. Have you ever watched or maybe been a part of your, in a family that one person always has to get to what they want, always has to get it their way? Raise your hands. Show me if you've been, so you know what I'm talking about, you've been a part of that. Okay, all right, just uh, want to let you know that if you didn't raise your hand, we might be talking about you. <laughs> Not saying, just could be. You know, when they don't get, when people don't get what they want in, in those situations, in our families, the whole, the whole family pays the price at the end, don't they? You know, there's just stress in the house, there's tension in the house, there's temper, temper, tantrum, uh, temper tantrums being down, people are on the ground pounding their fists. I mean, you've done that, right? I mean, you've seen it, right? I mean, just all this takes place and the whole family takes effect because one child, one person wants it their way. The whole family gets grounded. You know, the, we're going to go for ice cream, not happen anymore because little Stevie wasn't behaving. Well, come on, leaves little Stevie home. I had a brother named Steve. Vacations are canceled. Birthdays are taken away. Christmases are postponed. I mean, when one person in our family makes it about them, family get-togethers, it gets tough, doesn't it? It creates disunity, and you don't, it gets a way of progress, what God wants it done in that family. Well, that's the same for the church. You know, it, it seems like we're just hardwired, naturally hardwired, to put ourselves in the middle and to want to be first. Um, and I'm right there with you. 
I have to work really hard at not, for that not to be me. And when that happens, I don't care what organization it is. Uh, you're a Fortune 500 company, you, you're a local business, you're a sports team, uh, in your home, or even the church, it will bring it down or even cause major disruption of progress, what God wants to do. Jesus changes everything, right? That was about four people. <laughs> Jesus changes everything, right? So when this natural desire that we have to make it about ourselves is replaced by this supernatural change of Jesus Christ and our shifts our focus on what Christ has called us to his plan, his way for his church, to have his heart, for his love, for those people far from him, everything starts to change. Why? Because it's no longer about us. It's no longer about me. Because the mission that God has given me is far greater than myself. The mission God has given for this church is far greater than ourselves. He has called us to be unified as a church to reach people for him. The problem of I and unity that it causes disunity, the very vehicle that Jesus Christ created to bring people together. So I think, I think if we see ourselves as someone or someone sees close to us that we trust that mentions to us that our heart is shifting I think we need to ask ourselves a really hard question, maybe even say it out loud. And it simply is this, in what, am I, what I'm doing that's causing disunity worth the death of Jesus? In what I'm doing that's causing disunity at home, at work, in the church, wherever I'm at, is it worth the death of Jesus? Think about that. I mean, it's hard for me to swallow. It's hard for me to think through. Is what I'm putting my foot down on, is what I'm complaining about, is the agenda that I'm pushing, the broken relationships in my life because I have an unwillingness to forgive, is it worth the death of Jesus? I mean, I just focus on the last part, the unwillingness to forgive for a second. Stay in the church long enough, friends, and someone's gonna hurt your feelings. It's probably gonna be me. I mean, I'm just being honest. But there's also another truth. Stay in a church long enough and you're probably gonna hurt someone's feelings. It's who we are. We, we sin, we make, we, we sin and we hurt. It's not intentional, we just do. And this whole idea can go a hundred different directions. Whatever it is, is it worth the death of Jesus? Because as I read scripture and I open the book and understand why Jesus came, his full love for us was to call us to, to be together, to be with him, to be with the Father for all eternity, but for us to be here as a church, moving forward in one direction, reaching people with a message, the greatest message ever given to mankind. By the way, the early church wasn't arguing about doctrine we take care about all these denominations and situations, things like that. Like, well, there's such division in the church because of doctrine. I just think in this situation, people were, were acting like they're broken people, not the redeemed people that Jesus called them to be. 
But I love how they solve this. I can't just like, this is such a Debbie Downer, Rich. I mean, come on. I love how they solve this. Look at verse 2. It says, So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of spirit and wisdom, and we will turn this responsibility over to them and give them our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Verse 5, the proposal pleased the whole group. Verse 6, they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Let's just stop there again. So this idea that that was the first deacons that was birthed into the church. But this is what they understood when it comes to unity. Number one, unity involves everyone. Unity involves every single one of us. Each person plays their part. Each person stepped up and did what they were called to do and gifted to do. And this is awesome to watch the church work together for one goal and one mission. Awesome. I, had a, I wrote something down this morning. I'm not even sure if it's relative, but I put it on digital paper anyways. There's no greater force in this world than a spirit of God working in a unified people of God for the purposes of God. Right? There's no greater force than God through the spirit working in his church that is unified for his purpose. It's unstoppable because Jesus is unstoppable. And this is so much more than partnership. We talk about becoming partners of his church. This is us choosing to live missionally. In Christ's church, everyone has a part to play. We talked about this in the Semper Fi series. That the body has many, many parts, right? We work together for one purpose. We all have a part to play. Do me a favor. Look at the person next to you and tell them you have a part to play. Tell the person on the other side you just ignored that you have a part to play. We have a part to play. Because the church works together for his purpose. And when the church is doing that, doing their part, we make a kingdom difference kingdom impact. And I think that's an idea that some of us don't have. We're not volunteers and just staff. No, we're kingdom difference makers. We're kingdom difference makers. I don't care if you're parking cars or changing exploding diapers in kids ministry, right? You are making a difference for the kingdom. Why? Because that baby's probably there. So the parents are in this room learning about Jesus. If you're dealing with some rowdy kids, or coming in Wednesday night working with Ignite, you are making a kingdom difference. You are showing them, leading them to a deeper relationship with Jesus or to Jesus. We're kingdom difference makers. And if we as a church embrace that thought now, like, oh, I volunteer, what we do and how we do will be radically different. We realize every time I have an opportunity to serve that God has called me to serve in a certain area, I'm making a difference for the kingdom. That your mission is making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. God has called me to be a kingdom difference maker. That's you. That's me. That's this church. Because that's what Jesus has called us to do. First, unity involves everyone. And the second part is just as important. Unity celebrates diversity. Unity celebrates diversity. Look back at verse 2. It says, the 12, the 12 gathered all disciples together together. 
It would not be right for us as the disciples, uh, the apostles talking, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of spirit and wisdom. And this will turn this responsibility over to them, and they will give their attention, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Okay, just stop there again. The statement made by the apostles was not a statement of arrogance. We may read that and think, hmm, I have a bigger job to do. I'm going to go minister to the word. I'm not going to serve food. That's not true. The clarity of the statement is found in what these leaders understood, that there's great diversity in the church. And when the church acknowledges it, embraces it, and supports it, and lives it, the gospel will go further faster. We celebrate diversity. That each person individually have been created by God in the mother's womb, given skills and abilities. That in Jesus we are gifted for, to serve him and his church. And the apostles were identifying, implying that each one of them, it's not just about us and our, what you say in our position, it's all of us working together for Jesus. And that's why the first century church was exploding. And that's why this church is exploding. Because we're all kingdom difference makers and we're using everything that God has given us for his glory. You know, that's the greatest, one of the greatest strengths of the church is diversity. And that's one of the greatest strengths of this church. You is our diversity. How God has, has created us and gifted us to work and to serve him differently. And as we do, lives are changed forever. Communities are transformed from the inside out with the gospel. Because that's what's taking place in the first century church. And that's what will take place here. And when we embrace and unity that God has called us to, we will go further, faster. When we don't make the church about us, when we were all about getting on board with our mission, mission focused, and then God uses how he created us for his glory, we'll continue to see the same results as they did 2,000 years ago. Look at this, verse seven. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Okay, just stop right there. This is what they were living. This is what they were doing. And this is what was taking place. This is absolutely God awesome. People were coming to Christ as they were, everybody was living out their part in Jesus. Even the Old Testament priests, which were probably the hardest to reach because they already think they had to figure it out the Old Testament because we're, we're all head knowledge. But they were coming to this understanding that they needed Jesus. People were coming to faith in Jesus because that's what the church was called to do. When the church is unified, the church will be multiplied. Again, because that, when the whole church is moving in one direction, one purpose, one mission, given by our awesome God, it's unstoppable. 
And that's what he's been doing here, and it's what he wants to continue to do here with one purpose, reaching the people with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Unity. So we step back. As I bring this to the close, this whole series to close, and we think about the six weeks that we've walked through, just through the six, six chapters, beginning chapters of the book of Acts, to understand that we are witnesses, right? He says, you will be my witnesses. And we talked about, am I going to be a good witness or a bad witness? Am I going to be a good witch or a bad witch? I mean, here we go, Wizard of Oz all over again. All right, we are witnesses of Jesus. And as we understand that we are witnesses, that we have to come to this understanding that we need to be able to share his story, the G-O-S-P-E-L, the gospel. Understanding how to present the word of truth to them in a way that they can understand it. Not heady, not starting beginning in Genesis, but share Jesus. And then we walk through this idea that we need to be able to share our story. That we have a before Jesus, that we have a why Jesus, and that we have an after Jesus that truly shows the people that we're talking to about Jesus, that he actually changes everything as he changes us. And then we understand that we the gospel's more than words. That we can just speak the truth. But Jesus called us to live the truth right along with it. And then as we do, as we continue to move forward, we'll face opposition. Because as we become different kingdom difference makers and we're impacting the kingdom in this community and the surrounding communities, we'll face opposition. Satan's right there with all his friends trying to take us down and slow us down. And that's why we need to stay focused. That's why we as a church need to stay unified because we're stronger together. We go further, faster together. And as I walk through that idea, there's no way that we can come to the end of this and not realize that we've been sent. No way. We need to keep the main thing the main thing because we've been sent by Jesus Christ. Are you with me, church? Aces. Aces. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for making it clear. Forgiving us for muddy in the waters at times. But you have sent your son to save the world through him. And you have called us as your body, your church, to share the message about him with anyone that God, that you bring apart across our path in life. God, I pray for us as a church that every day that we'll get up and before our feet hit the ground, we're talking to you about looking for unexpected adventures. That we're talking to you that keep our eyes peeled open about how to share Christ with someone in front of us, how to live Jesus in front of someone. That we'll have this missional mindset that we have been sent by you. We've never arrived because Jesus hasn't come back yet. 
that we'll continue to stay focused. We'll be unified as your body to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And we'll take no ounce of credit for ourselves. We'll reflect everything to you because you are a good God. You're full of grace and mercy and forgiveness. Your name is Jesus. Right now, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward. And if you're walking through things this morning, if, you, if this is something part of your life, you have someone that you're trying to reach and you know, like, how can I do it? I just need to pray for this situation. Come forward. Or maybe you're just dealing with a personal hardship this morning. You walked in and thinking like you needed something more and that something more was just to have an opportunity for someone to pray over you. We believe in the power of prayer. It's not an add-on. It's a part of who we are as a church. So if that's you at the end of service, please come forward and be prayed over and prayed with. We want to invest in your life simply because you matter to God. That means you matter to us. God, thank you. Thank you for giving us a front row seat to your majesty. Thank you for allowing us to see you work, watch you change lives. I pray that you don't stop. I pray that you don't stop working in here, working in us and through us. I pray that we'll be kingdom difference makers for you for years and decades to come. And I pray that your truth, the gospel of your son, will reach the ends of the earth because everybody needs Jesus because Jesus changes everything. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. God bless church. Have a great week.